first time with us, a first timer. You should have received a bulletin when you came in, and in this there's uh, there's sermon notes that go along with the screen, and there's also a connection card, and we would love to, uh, you know, just uh, get to know more about you and your family. You can put that in the wooden box out in the hallway, and of course, for anyone here, the connection card is a prayer request form as well, and if anyone has a prayer request, you can put that in, in the box back there, and we will have people praying for you uh, this week. As the announcement said, you know, the first part of the year, we have a lot of stuff uh, going on starting in February, all of our small groups. They're going to be amazing, ladies, men's. We also have Financial Teach University starting in February, and that's Dave Ramsey's financial uh, class. And we just, listen, we've taken probably 100 families through this class. It's made a tremendous difference. Tracy and I, we took this class probably 13, 15 years ago, and it just made a big difference in our lives. And, and uh, I, I just, I hope that if you, if anyone is struggling with finances, please take that. And listen, if you don't have the money for it, don't worry about it. Uh, Jesse right here on the front row, he's going to sponsor you, okay? So... It, it takes nine weeks to do, but it's just, it's so, listen, if your finances aren't good, it, you're going to have constant stress and worry in your life. So I, I implore you, I beg you, please do this, but not only do you do it, actually do what it says to do, and it'll, it'll change your life, it'll, it'll revolutionize your life. Also, we have a grow track starting in February, that's kind of our membership class, uh, we don't want you to sit out there and, and come and leave. We want you to get involved. We need you to get involved. We need volunteers. And uh, so this is the way you get involved in the church and start volunteering uh, to help, to serve. And I think, uh, you know, everyone is not just supposed to have a church that they go to whenever it's convenient. They're supposed to have a place where they, they serve and help build the kingdom of God in and I, you'll enjoy it, and of course, we'll enjoy it, and, if, and then God will get the glory. Is that good? If we work together and God gets the glory, is that good? That's a good thing. Well, just a, one little note of something I said last week. I just returned from Lafayette last night, of course. Uh, my pastor, the founding pastor of Family Life Church in Lafayette, he went to be with Jesus this week. He had a massive stroke uh, about eight days ago, and um, so he, he, uh, he, he died on I think Thursday night, and they had a quick funeral because so many of the grandkids were in from different states, and they had to get back to work. And and um, man, I was just thinking about that. Is uh, he had hundreds of people come out to honor him? I know hundreds of people who have testimonies. I mean, me personally, helped he helped me, helped my family. Uh, he gave me my first job, and he never fired me. And he probably had a reason to at some point or another. But the main thing, he he just he just helped me. He just helped me. He was always concerned about helping people and pouring into people. And uh, the, what, a, what a legacy. So, you know, I just, I asked you today, I asked the crowd last week, it's like, you know, life is not about what you do and what you can get out of it. Life is about helping other people who may not have what you have or maybe behind you to take the next step. And as Christians, man, life is about serving. And if you're not serving, uh, you really need to reflect on your life because we're supposed to be like Jesus, and Jesus served everybody, right? I mean, he served, the, he served lepers and, and, and tax collectors, and he served everybody. It's an incredible thing. So uh, anyway, so if you can keep their family in prayer, I'm sure that, you know, it's be a tough season ahead of them. But the good news is he's with Jesus, and he 
he is doing great, and he is receiving his reward. Okay, so that's an, that's an awesome thing. I am starting a new series. This is going to be a little longer series than I normally do. It's going to be about, about eight weeks because it, I believe it's just going to be so important. And it's called The Will, the will of Life. And um, it's, it's not the wheels on the bus go round and round. It's the will of life. And let me know that your life is kind of like a wheel and just keeps moving down the road. And so let me, I'm going to set it up today and I'm going to give you some things that you're going to have to do to implement this series. And again, here at Family Life, I want to help you. Uh, you say, well, how do you get all this incredible material? I look in the mirror and I see what I need, right? And I work on that and then I give it to you. But, but it's amazing thing is, uh, we're all going to get to the end of our life one day. And the question is, what did you do with your life? Did you make the most of your life? And of course, I hope that you do because when we make the most of our lives, it makes the lives of those around us a lot better. Amen. The better my life goes, the better my kids it is for my kids, the better it is for the church, the better it is for Tracy. Um, but the, 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 the Will of Life series, what, what I'm really talking about is living a balanced life. And the majority of people I talk with, their life is not balanced. Many of you in here today, your life is not balanced. And the only way you can truly be successful is if your life is balanced. And so we're going to help you with that and give you some thoughts and principles, but basically our lives, our lives are divided into seven major categories. We have our spiritual life, which is the most important. We have our family, which is very, very important. We have our finances. Then we have our physical bodies that we're supposed to take care of, our mental, our intellect that we're supposed to uh, keep growing. Then we have a social life. And uh, there's two more here. And then, of course, uh, our, our work our work, how you do. And, and all these things, you see the figure up here, kind of make our life, make our life whole. Now, here's the problem. Here's where we get into problems, is that most, most people, they excel in two or three categories really well. They excel at work. They excel in making money. They excel uh, in mentally, intellectually. But there may be other parts of your life that aren't, that aren't going too well. And our human nature is to stay where we're good at. So if you're doing really good in two or three categories, four categories, many times we tend to stay there and work on those when other parts of our lives are falling off because we feel unsuccessful there. It's just human nature. Where we don't feel successful, we don't want to go, we don't want to spend time with. And the truth is, for us to be well-rounded and to be truly successful, we need to bring all of the major areas of our life in, into some sort of, uh, of, of successful, uh, into a successful range. And I, if, you, if you think about some of the people you know, uh, maybe you, you know some people that were very good, maybe you work with them, they're very good at what they do. They're, they're gifted, they're talented, but they're on their fourth marriage and their kids don't talk to them. See, at the end of our lives, it doesn't matter how good we did at work and how much money we made if, our, if the people that are, that are closest to us don't love us. Okay, we, um, I have, I, I saw an example of this several years ago. I've been going to the gym for, the same gym for, for many, many years, and there were, these, there were these guys, this group of guys that were there, and all of these men were DECA millionaires. And, and I heard their stories. They made money in many different ways, 
None of them inherited money. They started businesses. They started companies. And I mean, they had more money than they could spend. And in a six-month period, all five of these guys died because they didn't take care of their physical bodies. They, they drank too much. They were way just out of shape. He said, well, Terry, you met him at the gym. I met him at the gym, but they never worked out. They just came there and went in the sauna and talked. I know it's kind of, kind of funny, huh? But I mean, we were walking there one day, and one guy had a heart attack, and he was floating in the, in the whirlpool. I, I don't want to get more graphic than that, but these guys died very young because a portion of their life they were so successful in, but another area of their lives were just falling apart. And doctors were warning them to change how they were living, and they just didn't. And, and so uh, even though they had all this money, I guess somebody's enjoying it today, but they, they died like way, 20 years before, before they should have. We know, we know, all of us know people who maybe they excel with their families uh, in their careers, their spiritual life, but they never learn how to manage their money. So no matter how much they make, no matter how much they love their family, it's a consistent source of stress and worry. Uh, research says that the average person, when they get to retirement, only has $10,000 saved up for retirement. So basically, we have generations of people today that are retiring broke because Social Security is not enough. It was never meant, uh, you know, to do all this. So this graph here in the background, it was, it was created by the late Zig Ziglar. If you've, uh, if you've never heard of Zig Ziglar, I encourage you. He, I don't know, he's probably written about 30 books, and they're all incredible. But he was a motivational teacher. The difference between a motivational speaker and a motivational teacher is a motivational speaker makes you feel really good, but when you leave, you don't know why. A motivational teacher imparts something to you, truth and value to you, so that when you leave there, you have a foundation to do better. And uh, Zig Ziglar saw that this was a struggle here with this wheel of life, and, and so he created this, and he did conferences, teaching sessions, wrote books and material, because he's like, if I can help people live a well-rounded life, then they can truly find success. Uh, and basically what he said is that each one of these, basically he called the seven areas of our lives the, the spokes in the wheel. And uh, so what I'm going to do today is I'm just introducing this thing, and we're going to talk about, we're, we're going we're to talk about uh, how to get started, and then every week for the next seven weeks, I'm going to talk about one of these specific things, and hopefully I'm just going to give you some simple, practical, creative things that you can do to improve an area of your life. If an area of your life is not going well, it doesn't mean you avoid it. It means you look into it, you evaluate it, and ask God to help you improve it. And God can help us to improve any area of our life, even if we've messed it up. Now, what's funny is sometimes we come to church and we think that, we think that I'm the only one that has issues. And I can assure you that I know almost everyone in here. And I can tell you just with great confidence that there's people sitting beside you that either have problems or have had problems, and God has helped them. So we're not alone in this. We don't need to be embarrassed about this. The only thing that's embarrassing is if, to me is if we don't try to improve what, what God has given us. And so you have some homework. You have some homework this week. I want you to go home this week and just really think about the, the will of life and think about what areas am I doing really well in and what areas am I not doing well in. And, and then when we come each week, 
even if you're doing good in areas, how many know that we can always do better? We can always do better, and, and, and we're going we're gonna, to, but I'm, I'm going to help you. If you're doing bad in the area, we're going to help you. So we're not going to make you feel bad. We're going to help you. It's very, very important. Now, most probably as you're sitting here, you're thinking to yourself, I don't even have to go home. I don't even, I've already done the homework. Because really, we know. If you don't know, you can save yourself some time. If the guy's in here, you can just ask your wife. They'll, they'll be happy to, happy to help you out. Don't ask your kids. They don't have enough grace. They'll just lay it on you. So here's the question. If we're doing, we're doing good in some areas, we may not be doing as good as we want in other areas. So here's the question. How, this, is, this is the million-dollar question that many people never solve. How do we make changes in our life? That's a million-dollar question. You figure that question out, you can change it. How can we make changes in our lives? A number of years ago, I was, I was asked a question. It's quite interesting. As a pastor, sometimes I'm, I'm asked some, some really loaded questions, and I'm asked them sometimes, and people come to me and ask me a very difficult question, and they're like, hurry up, I have 20 seconds, I got to go. My wife's waiting for me in the car, you know? I'm like, that's not a 20-second answer, you know? But someone came up to me and said, Pastor Terry, do you believe that everyone can change? Do you think that everyone has the ability or the capacity to change something in their life that's not good? And here's the loaded question. Here's the, here's the answer. Absolutely, I believe that everyone can change with God's help. Everyone can make changes. Here's the sad thing, sad part. 90% of people don't. 90% of people could change, have the ability to change if they ask God to help them. But if we're honest, most people go through life, and the thing that afflicted them at 18, 20, 30, it's still afflicting them at 60. And they just, they, their life is a continual sphere of dysfunction because they never learn how to change that one area in their life so that they, they, they just keep going around and, and, you know, if it's financial trouble, you know, they'll declare bankruptcy here and they'll, or, or do debt consolidation. Then they'll go a few years, and they'll pay all that off, and they'll get everything straight, and they'll go four, five, four or five more years, and they're in the same spot. And they take care of it. Oh, it's a big crisis, and they take care of that. And so they keep, they want to they, they take care of the problem of, oh, I've got all this debt, I've got to take care of this. But they never solve the real issue is, why do I keep getting here? And I'm not picking on finances. Some of it's relationships. I mean, I, I, you wouldn't believe how many people I've met that, that, they get in bad relationships. And so they get in a bad relationship, there's a major breakup, and, you know, all this. Then, then 18 months later, it's another bad. And so, so we, we've got to get out of this. So the only way you can get out of the cycle of dysfunction is you have to learn how to change. How can we as humans, how can we change? And I'm going to give you five things you have to do uh, to, to, to be able to change. The first thing is this, successful people... They take personal responsibility for their lives. Successful people, anytime you meet a successful person, they have taken personal responsibility for their, for their for the pros, the cons in their life. They just, they've learned to take personal responsibility uh, for, for, for their lives. And, you know, it, it's very common today. You turn on the news, you go to school, you go to talk to your neighbor, you talk to family members, and it's very common to hear people blaming other people for their problems. We have a victim mentality today. 
And again, I, I, listen, I, I believe America is by no means perfect. There's injustice, there's things. But if you travel the world, there's a lot of countries where, where you can blame things because they have systems where you can't, you can't go from unsuccessful or poor up here. In, in, in America, we, we don't face that. And I meet people all the time who have, maybe they have disabilities or they've had terrible things happen to them. And they just overcame it, and now they're very, very, they're very uh, successful people. You know, some people blame a lot of people. I hear a lot of blame games when people come to my office, but they blame their, it's their parents' fault. They didn't give them the perfect childhood. They blame the economy. They blame the government. They blame their job. They blame their husband. They blame their wife. They blame the church. They blame God. You know, it's kind of like everyone is out, is out to get me. But the truth is, our personal choices, the decisions we make, are the reason we're at we're, we're, where we're at today. All of it, we make personal choices every day. And so, if you want a different result, you have to make different choices. And this is very difficult because many people have a hard time make, you know, making different decisions consistently. You know, as a pastor, I see this, you probably don't, but I bet, I bet every year, I bet every year, or I bet this year, 300 people will come to the church who want God to do something in their life. And they'll stay three or four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, and, and then they just give up because God didn't help them. Right? It, it, but, so it's the consistency thing. is We have to make good decisions, different choices, but we just have to keep doing it. Like, not for this week or next week, like for the rest of our life, we have to choose, uh, you know, to make uh, good, good decisions. So, um, so the choices we've made, the decisions we've made, have created the life that we are living today. And the only way to change our life is to make different choices. Let me let me show you some passages in the Bible. Philippians three, verse thirteen through fourteen, the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Philippi. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Okay, why do you want to forget what's behind? Because sometimes behind wasn't that good. And if it was good, we still have to focus on tomorrow. So I'm forgetting what I've done in the past. I'm forgetting the good things I've done. I'm forgetting the mistakes I've made, and I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so what is Paul saying? He's like, okay, I'm going to forget the past because God has something for me over there. And I have to press. I have to make decisions. I have to make sacrifices. I have to live my life so I can get there and not focus on the past. And, and so again, the past, I'm not worried about if you haven't been successful in one of the spheres of life in 2018. My concern is, how do we press forward in 2019 and be at a better place? How can our families be better? You know, how can our careers be better? Uh, how can our finances be better? How can our family be better? And so, we're talking about personal, uh, when we take personal responsibility, I, I think it can be a liberating moment in your life. Because if you spend all your time blaming someone else, that means that the problem is never you. I think it's a, it's a liberating moment when I say, man, my finances are in trouble because I 
have not managed my money well. Like, it's liberating. Oh, okay, the, the blame's me. You know, when, when we, we take personal responsibility and say, my physical body is the shape it's in because of how I've eaten in my physical activity. You know, my spiritual life is poor because I haven't been consistently reading my Bible. I have never prayed and asked God to help me. I haven't, I've never taken a Bible study. I don't go to church very much. You know, I, I don't, so just take personal responsibility. Uh, you know, my career is not progressing because I have not been a good employee. That's tough. Uh, I have not continued my education so I can climb. And, and I have not done my job with excellence. Man, when we take personal responsibility, it's liberating because then we can do better. When you acknowledge where you failed, you now have a chance to do better. And I've used this example before, but I was talking to some, some uh, Alcoholic Anonymous 12-step uh, sponsors or some people that led a program, and they said, you know, to get in AA, you have to first admit that you have a drinking problem. Because they're like, if you don't admit that you have a problem, if you're only here because you say your wife says you have a problem, or your kids say you have a problem, or because you can't wake up in the morning. It, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny about that, but once they admit, I have a problem, the A people said, man, there is a great chance. There's a great chance. So what I'm asking you to do today is we have to take responsibility where we've come up short. It doesn't mean we're bad. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us, but God sure has a whole lot more for us. He has a whole lot more. So the first thing is we have to quit blaming people. We have to quit making excuses. And we have to say, man, I am right here because of my choices and my decisions. But you know what? This year, today, I'm going to start making uh, different decisions. A friend of mine gave me a quote that his grandmother gave him. You know, grandmothers can give you some doozies sometimes. And she actually, um, I don't know what it's called. What's that? Crochet. She crocheted a little plaque for me, has in his office today, and it says this, if it's to be, it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to you, it's up to me. We have to make some different decisions. Dave Ramsey, he said this, he said, if, if you're the problem, that also means that you're the solution. Okay, and so, uh, then, uh, then of course, Theodore Roosevelt said, if you could kick the person that is most responsible for your trouble you would not sit down for a month, okay? And, and, and so again, we take personal responsibility, but if I've created this mess, with God's help, I can also get out of it. I can do better. I can go farther. I can leave a legacy for my kids. I tell parents, listen, if you don't care about, uh, uh, about your dysfunction, care for it for your kids because that's what you're going to pass down to them. So the better you do, the better they can do, and hopefully they start their lives out without dysfunction. So the first question we have to consider is, if we want to change something about our life, we have to take personal responsibilities for our actions and behavior. The second thing is this, that successful people think differently. They just think differently. The, the mental capacity. Henry Ford says, Henry Ford had a famous quote. He said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. If you think you can do better, you will do better. If you think you can't, you're right. Whichever way you think, you're right. So 
successful people learn to control their thinking, and so they don't give in to doubts, fear, pessimistic thoughts. They think faith-filled thoughts, wholesome thoughts. And then Proverbs 23, 7 says this, uh, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that's for women as well. What we think about, what we dwell about, is what we're going to become. So, uh, you know, I just tell people, listen, you can't continually fill your, mi- your mind with the trash of this world and think you're going to overcome it. You got, we got to start filling our, our, our mind with the Bible and God's Word and, and faith and hope and expectancy. Uh, but people who are successful, truly successful, and people who aren't, one of the main things is that they think differently. They just, they, they, they think differently. Successful people train their minds. And of course, going back to Philippians 4.8, Paul said this, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are, are, are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So, so think about this with me. All these things go together so something can be true, but it's not praiseworthy. We've had some true things happen to us that we have to forgive people and ask God to heal us and get past that. If we, you can dwell on a truth all the time, but if it's not, if it's not beneficial, if it's not pure, if it's not lovely, if it, if it doesn't help you, uh, we, we shouldn't do that. And then one of my favorite too is 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. It says this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Talking about spiritual weapons, our spiritual warfare, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what this is saying is if we have the Holy Spirit in us, and if we stay focused, if we're building up our spirit man, we have the ability to control our thoughts with God's help. He can help us to not think about things that aren't beneficial and think about things that are. Uh, You know, I think one of the great problems today is many people spend hours and hours a day thinking about things that aren't healthy. Thinking about things. Well, if they do this, I'm going to do this. Well, you don't even know what's going to happen. So we have to to change uh, the way that we think. Now, I'm going to go way back old school on you today, way before I was born, and many of you. But do any of you, this is it's very important, though. Earl Nightingale, um, you know, just famous, famous person, famous writer, author. Um, in 1956, he produced a spoken word record. This was the, the predecessor to the audiobook, way back in 1956, a spoken record. And it was called The Strangest Secret. And it sold more than a million copies. And I mean, way back in 1956, I mean, that, that's a lot, of, I mean, that's a huge success. And it, it talked about why some people are successful and some aren't. And you know what the strangest, the strangest secret is this? We become what we think. I mean, way, way, way back here, it's, it, and people are just buying it up because it was just a, a revolutionary thought, and he compared our thoughts to planting seeds. Every thought, you're planting a seed in the ground. And he said, you know, the ground is a funny thing. The problem is not the ground. The ground only produces what you plant. 
If you plant tomatoes, it gives you tomatoes. If you plant fear, if you plant criticism, if you plant pessimism, that's, 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 what, it, that's, what, it, that's what it gives you back. The ground always returns what is planted. So, and he went on to say that he said, the ground doesn't care what you plant, but it will always give you back what you plant. You know, that sounds a whole lot like the Bible. Galatians chapter 6, 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So again, uh, our, whatever we're our thinking overflows into our actions. So what, again, successful people, they plant different seeds than people who aren't successful. So first of all, we take responsibility for our actions. And you know, again, it doesn't matter where you've messed up, God will help you, but you have to take responsibility. And then we have to change our thinking. Have you ever noticed if you change your thinking about something, it makes it better? Yeah, one time I had a, a, a man come to me and, you know, I, I, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice, and I'm a very, Tracy will tell you, I am one of the most patient people that you will have ever met. Very patient very loving, very caring. <laughs> but this guy kept coming to me complaining about his job. He was complaining about his job. Finally, I'm like, man, I am going to pray for you to get fired. I do not want to hear that anymore. I'm going to pray for you to get fired. And he's like, oh, no, 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 don't do, don't do that. I said, why? Well, because I make a lot of money. I said, well, what, what else? Well, I have good vacation. He started listing all these good things about you. What do you, what don't you like about your job? And finally, I'm like, you know, why don't you start praying for your job, praying for the people who are working there? Why don't you start speaking life over your job? God, thank you for this job. Thank you for this job. Many people don't have this type of a job. And, and you know what? Within a month, he's like, man, I love my job. I think I'm going to retire here. A bird? I think there's a bird out there in the gutter. So anyway... So anyway, so we take personal responsibility and then we begin to think differently. Now, I'm going to say, tell you this. It, it will take great discipline for you to think differently. It will not happen tomorrow. But you've got to start filling your mind with Scripture. You've got to start, I mean, put some index, Scriptures on index cards and, and, and just do that. I, I, I encourage people this. If you have trouble with your thoughts, uh, you need to go get the book by Norman Vincent Peale. It's called The Power of Positive Thinking. And Norman Vincent Peale was a pastor and that book is loaded with Scripture. It is loaded with Scripture. He tells you, write out Scripture on index cards. Put them all around, take them with you. You start having bad thoughts, you pull one of those out. And you say, well, people are going to think I'm weird. We're not worried about people. We're worried about you. We're worried about us uh, being successful. Number three, successful people have a burning desire to accomplish something. I don't think we ever really change until we have a desire to do so. When our desire pushes us to sacrifice, um, you know, the attitude of, well, it would be nice if it happens, that usually doesn't work out too well. It didn't work out too well. Um, you know, I often meet with people who are experiencing difficulty. And again, <clears throat> you know, after 20 years of experience, I can tell in two minutes if they'll ever change. In two minutes. It's their attitude. You know, if a married couple comes in and they're, gonna, they're blaming each other, oh, he does this, 
if they come in and say, listen, our marriage isn't good, we want to do something about it. Give us some guidelines. You see it in their eyes. You see it in their eyes, you know. Um, it, 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 there's just a different attitude. And, but, so the difference, is, the difference is this. You know, when people have a burning desire to do something, number one, they don't care who's at fault. Number two, they don't, they're not scared of making changes. They're not scared of accountability. They're not scared of being embarrassed. They just want to be better. What's, what's, it's, a whole, it's real good. Embarrassment, being embarrassed about a situation will keep you in that situation. Uh, saying, I have a desire. I'm not going to be here anymore. I, never, I am never going to be in this situation again. That means you're going to actually uh, get, some, get somewhere in life. It's, it's kind of funny, but, you know, if you've ever taken the Dave Ramsey course, Dave Ramsey, he's talking about money. You have to, you have, to have like, a passionate pursuit to change your finances. But he gives the illustration from the animal planet of the cheetah and the gazelle. If you've ever watched the, the, the um, animal planet, you know, when the cheetah, who's, like, the fastest thing on earth, when a cheetah is chasing a gazelle, you know, on animal planet, it's like one for one. Like, boom, cheetah gets it. Do you know, actually, the, 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 the cheetah only catches a gazelle one out of seven times? <clears throat> and do you know why? Because the cheetah is running for his life. Like, have you ever seen him run? I mean, they're going and they're zigzagging. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like, I have to get away or, this, you know, this is it. And, and so that's, by burning desire means, man, I have a goal over here, and I, I am going to get to that goal. I, I am going to get to that goal. It may be this month, next month, maybe in two years, but I am going to get to that goal, and nothing is going to get in the way. And Dave Ramsey says, that's what you have to have to change your finances. Well, oh, yeah, yeah I mean, you got to cut things, slash things, change things. But that's the same with us, too, uh, a burning desire. We have to have some passion. You know, if you have a habits that have led you to where you are, habits don't die easily. I mean, you've got to crush those things. And there has to be some desiring you to do better, to get better, to change what you're, what, you know, what you're doing. See, most, what I found is a lot of people, they just want to get out of the dilemma they're in, but a burning desire means you never want to be in that position again. And, and so, the, number four, Successful people set goals and they write them down. You know that a, a psychologist, a PhD, he said, he did this big study. He said that if somebody just wrote down what they wanted to do, they were 42% more, uh, had a 42% higher chance of accomplishing it. They said, man, people that write things down, people that write things down, they just accomplish things. When, uh, when Emmett Smith, who is the leading rusher all-time NFL, when he... In his Hall of Fame speech, he talks about how his high school coach made him write, some, write things down. And he said, I want all of y'all to have a plan. The whole football team, the whole high school team. And then he came back and he's like, where's y'all's plans at? What do you want to do? And they're like, oh, it's up here. And he said, up here doesn't work. Got to write down. I want you to mount it, glue it in your locker, tape it in your locker. And then when he went to the Dallas Cowboys, and he, he's, a, he's a rookie. He had, doesn't have zero yards, and he put in there. I want, to, I want to be an all-pro. I want to be, I want to make the Pro Bowl. And I want to be the leading rush, all-time rusher in the NFL. Before he ever ran a yard. And he had them all over the house. His wife's like, man, this guy's driving me crazy. 
And um, then she's like, man, you know, God blessed him. He's healthy. He's made it through five years. And she's like, man, she's looking at the number that's on his card. He had the number that he had to get. And she's looking at his stats. She's like, man, she's, she told him one day, this, this might actually happen. This might actually happen. And, 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 of course, it is. But what happened is he had a goal. Every day when he came to work, he saw that. Every day when he woke up, he saw that. And so us, if, you know, if, if you want to make a change, you, you, need to, you need to set some goals. And you need to write them down so that you're held accountable. Read them, man, this is, what I, this is what I want to do. This is where God wants me to be. And so let me give you, you have to set SMART goals. So let me, there's, a, there's an acronym for SMART. And the S is this, is it has to be specific. It has to be specific. You know, you know basically, you know, in four years I want to graduate with a degree in so-and-so. You know, in three years I want to be here. And if you're starting a New Year's resolution, it has to be specific. Not, I would like to lose weight. How much do you want to lose? How are you going to do it? How often are you going to weigh? I, I mean, it has to be it has to be specific, and, and so your goals have to be specific, and they have to be measurable. I mean, we say, well, I just want to love God more. Well, other people can't measure that. You, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if I drop three pant sizes, everyone can measure that, right? You see me up here, oh, the pastor's losing weight, you know, looking pretty good. But it, ha- it needs to be measurable, things that, that can be measurable. And the third thing is it needs to be achievable, and by achievable... It's like set goals that are achievable. Set little goals that you can get to, then, then set some new ones. Don't set something uh, that is going to be so discouraging because it's really impossible to get there. Set achievable goals. Man, I want to grow my, my, my spiritual life, so I'm going to be specific. Man, I'm going to read the Bible five days a week, and I'm going to read 20 minutes a day. And I'm not going to watch TV, I'm not going to read the computer until I've done that first. That, 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 that's specific, it's measurable, and it's achievable. And then, of course, it needs, it needs to be relevant. Uh, we're really good at setting goals for other people, what they should do. But in reality, we need to set goals. Again, what is relevant? What's relevant to you? On our chart up there that we had, whichever thing you're not succeeding in, that's relevant for you because if you raise the bar there, then you're able, uh, you're able to see results. And, of course, it needs to be time-sensitive. There needs to be a timeline uh, for, for, for something to do this, you know. Um, you want to do it? How long do you want to do it? How long do you think it's going to take it? And then set long-term goals and short-term goals. If you only have, oh, I want to retire in 30 years, that's a long way away. Set some short-term goals. This year, we want to save this much money toward retirement. So, so it, it, again, it's, it's achievable. It's, 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 uh, it's measurable. But the last thing, and I'll close with this, uh, all these things are good. I mean, they're, they're, they're very important. We need to take responsibility. Uh, you know, we need to take responsibility for our lives. We need to think differently. We need to develop a burning desire, we need to set goals. But none of those will help at all if you don't ever get started. The key to doing something and to changing something is you just have to get started. You, you know what we do when we want to get started? We, you know, we're like, okay, it's the, it's the 13th. On the 1st, 
I know I missed January. That's okay. Pastor said we're not going to be condemned. We're not going to condemn ourselves. But in February 1st, or on my birthday, on my birthday, I, 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 met, a, I met a guy one time, went to a convenience store. This guy was always there, and I was getting coffee. And he was, he was like 82 years old or something, and he, he smoked. He up there smoking. And he, he announced to us all, I wasn't trying to get in his business. He announced to us all, on my 83rd birthday, I'm going to quit smoking. So I said, why don't you wait till the day after your 82nd birthday so you can enjoy your 82nd birthday, your 83rd birthday. You know, I was kind of kind of going to things. But, but, but we do that sometimes. We have to take action. Don't wait for your birthday. Don't wait to the new year. Don't wait to next month. Start today. Start tomorrow morning. Just get started. You can never progress if you don't get started. I'm going to end today. I'm going to tell you two stories. I'm going to tell you a story of, of two friends. And I had one friend that came to me, and, and he said, Terry, I'm going to start a landscaping business. I'm like, well, we're in Texas. It's hot. Things grow. You know, that's good. He had saved up a bunch of money. He saved up $20,000. And, and I'm like, well, he's got things planned. I mean, but what happened is, so he quit his job. He quit his job before he got things started. And, and man, I saw him, and he bought, he bought all these fancy mowers, and he bought trailers to haul stuff in. And he had shirts, and he had whole uniforms with logos. He had everything. He just wanted his company to be perfect. He never mowed along because he went out of business before he got started. He spent all this time doing all this crazy stuff, but you know what? He, like, never actually mowed along. And he went out of business. I have another friend of mine. These are true stories. That he started, he started a long company, and he had, he had an old beat-up push mower. And he threw that in the back of his pickup truck. And he went around asking, can I mow your yard? And you know what? He started, he started mowing 20 yards a day by himself. He got up to 20 yards a day. And he did that for six months. Then he bought some nicer equipment. And he could mow them faster. Then he bought a little trailer to haul all around in. Then he started hiring, person, hiring people. Today, that guy mows the church lawn. He, he mows the church lawn. He's got like seven crews. This guy is, is, is just making a ton of money. He's successful. But you know what? He got started. One got started. One guy had no money, but he got started. One guy had all this money. And I, I was even thinking about him. Why don't, why don't the guy that has all the shirts and logos, why don't you sell them to the guy who's actually making money today, you know? But isn't that funny? Sometimes we sit around and we think of all these grandiose plans of what we want to do. But we never get started. We never get started. If you don't get started, you have zero chance of being successful. Would you bow your heads with me today? Thank you, Lord. God, we're so thankful for your word and we're so thankful that you have a unique plan for all of our lives. And God, we know that you want us to be truly successful in every area of our lives. Lord, you want us to be spiritually successful, have a growing relationship. God, you want our families to be awesome and happy. God, you want us to be have an abundance financially so we can give and do all kinds of things. You, Lord, you want us to take care of our physical bodies. You want us to, to grow mentally, intellectually. God, you want us to socially 
God, you want us to have friends and have people who can encourage us and hold us accountable. God, you want us to be successful in our jobs. God, in every sphere of life, God, you want us to be successful. And Lord, as we're standing here this morning, I know there's, there's many in the congregation who are really successful in some areas and maybe not so much in the other. And Lord, I just pray during this series, God, I pray during this series that you're going to help us to grow every sphere of life, every category of life, so, so that we can be well-rounded, God, and we can bring you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Would you stand with